Hey everybody, it's JT. What is on your holiday meal shopping list? Well, I would suggest Painted Hills Natural Beef. It is some of the best beef in the world. And your friends and family will be thanking you for a long time if you serve Painted Hills Natural Beef for your holiday meals. And now you can buy it online just by going to PaintedHillsBeef.com. Use the code BBQNATION at checkout and save yourself 15% on your order. Give Painted Hills Natural Beef a place on your table this holiday season. This is Barbecue Nation After Hours, the conversation that took place after the show ended. Hey everybody, it's JT, and this is a special version of Barbecue Nation. It is brought to you in part by Painted Hills Natural Beef. Beef you can be proud to serve your family and friends. That's Painted Hills Natural Beef. Hey everybody, welcome to After Hours here on Barbecue Nation. I'm JT, along with my co-host, Ms. Leanne Whippen, Hall of Famer. Today we've got uh, Dr. Barbecue, Ray Lampy with us. Ray's a friend and uh, always a favorite on the show. He's a Hall of Famer. I got to uh, uh, throw that in there also. Um, you can always recognize Ray. He's got a very distinctive beard. Um, or do you want to call that more? That's Isn't that a little big for a goatee? It's evolved over the years. It's got, <laughs> I don't know what you would call a long goatee. There's probably a name for that, but it's gotten wider over the years too. And yeah. I think that helps because it's not as full as it used to be. Well, that's that's like okay. It. Like yeah, it. it looks good on you. It looks good. On you. Well, this is after hours. And uh, this is where we ask some really fun questions of our guest. And Ray hasn't been through after hours in a year or so. So we've got some new things to uh to discuss here. So Ray, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Um here we go. We'll start with something simple. If you could uh cook for and then dine with a historical figure, who would it be and what would the menu be? Um, you know, what came to mind, the guy, the first person that came to mind was Anthony Bourdain, um, probably on everybody's short list, but, um, I mean, wouldn't that be a treat because, oh, yeah. you know, he would, he would appreciate, even if you screwed something up, he would appreciate it and, uh, and say good things about it and, and tell you the history of the dish you made. And, and I guess I would, you know, just be easy. I would make some barbecued ribs and, and with salt and pepper only, and maybe make a little, whatever sauce I felt like making up that day, yeah, um, yeah. serve on the side, but you know, and, and lots of cold beer. I think that's, what Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Here's one that's a little more, um, serious. What would you say your success to failure ratio is when you're creating, uh, a new recipe or a new seasoning? Like how many times do you have to do it before you are happy with it? Uh, I mean, I think the success ratio is probably 90%. There's 10% that you just give up on early on. But other than that, you stay with it. Uh, at this point, I've gotten to where I can pretty much tell you that needs a half teaspoon or something. And I'll, but I'll measure it always because I want to make the recipe right. But at this point, my guesses are really good from, from years and years of doing it. Uh, and Frankly, for me, it's rare that I have to do something even a second time. Uh, I've just gotten that good at it over the years. Sure. And I, I do stay in my lane, too. You know what I mean? I, I don't I, I actually made a uh, a Thai red curry recipe recently for the Turkey Federation. If you haven't been to uh, 
uh, turkeysmoke.com in a long time. There's a lot of recipes there. It's really, we've, you know, it's taken some years to do it, but it's built out nice. So I wanted to do a red Thai curry recipe. I'm not a big Thai food expert. So I did a little bit of homework and I created a recipe that I was pretty happy with. So I sent the recipe on because they needed it. And then I called my friend who lived in Thailand and writes books about Thai cooking. And uh, I sent her the recipe and I said, so tell me what I did wrong. And she did. And uh, I, it was too late. I, I, I needed to send the recipe in. And I was in the ballpark, though. She complimented me a lot and it, it had a lot of the right things. But she was just like, well, no, nah, you know, in Thailand, you just wouldn't do it that way. And it was really fun. But it was that's how you got to be obsessed with stuff. Oh, yeah. And, and, the, the other story I want to tell you is Jamie Proviance. Jamie wrote all the Weber cookbooks, yep. or most of them. Uh, and, and Jamie is a, a, a legend in the cookbook business. And I was talking to Jamie one day, and he said, the Weber books, the every recipe, so he does 50 recipes or whatever they're going to need for this. And they, they try them all again, and there's a whole team of people. And they rate every one. It's either an A, a B, or a C. And if it's an A, it's good. It moves on. If it's a B, we will tweak it around till it becomes an A, and then it will move on. If it's a C, same story. Now, we, we can give up on it, or we can try to get it to become an A. And But, but at the end of the day, every book, every recipe in Jamie's books are A's to him and his team. Mm -hmm. Now, that requires a lot of work, a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of people. Most of us, I, I would say 75% of the recipes in my book are A's. And 25% are probably B's. You keep get rid of the C's. Um, but yeah. it, most of us don't have the time and the the ability to test that extensively and uh -huh. keep going until everything's an A. Wish we did. I guarantee we all wish we did. Oh, uh, sure. But I thought that was a really cool story. If you can yeah, ever get is. Jamie on the phone, Jamie's a really interesting guy. I've had him on the show two or three times over the years, and Great we've guy. always had it, we've always had a hoot together. Um if you started your career all over again, your barbecue career, Ray, uh, what would you do or would you do anything different? You know, uh, from a level of success, I'd probably do things a lot differently. But I, I, from a level of did I have a good time and do I did I do it my way? Hell no, I wouldn't change a thing. I I've uh, I've been lucky enough to do what I wanted to do and and get away with it. You know, I could be wealthier, but, um, I don't know that I could be a whole lot more successful. I think I, I might've squeezed everything out of what, what skills I had in this life. And, uh, it's sure been fun. And I, I've had two full careers, you know, the trucking business for 25 years. Mm -hmm. And I always say 23 years of it. I loved it. 24th. It was okay. The 25th was kind of sucky. And then I was able to get out of it. And mm -hmm. the barbecue business is now up to 23 years or something like that. And I don't know that I'd change a minute of it. There's been some unsuccessful times and a lot of lessons learned, but man, it's been fun. And, and, mm -hmm. and just to, you know, to when you go somewhere and somebody says, Hey, thanks. I, I saw this recipe and I did, I got a some, uh, uh, email the other day from a guy I know down in Miami, Brian. And he said, Hey, I've run across this old video you did of a uh, brisket on the big green egg site. And it's really great. And you're a great teacher and I really appreciate it. And, you know, oh, something sounds... I did a long time ago, forgot all about. And, yeah. and uh, to, to, it's really cool to hear that stuff. So I, I, I feel so blessed. I don't think I'd change mm. a thing. I guess the main thing is, and, and it took me a few years 
to get to this point. I won't tell you how many, but it was double digits. I'll at least put it that way. I'm happy. I think you got to be happy in whatever you're doing. And we're blessed to be able to work with something we love, which is food and barbecue mm -hmm. and, and great people. Um, you know, I've met you. I've obviously met Leanne. She's working with me now. I've met great people in the, since doing this show. Um, Cause I was cooking on TV for years before I ever started this show. I was over in the Western genre doing all that stuff, but I think I've been very blessed too. Um, I really have to have, to make new friends like you guys over the years. And it, it's really good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The only thing is uh, Leanne um, uh, snores when she falls asleep in the middle of a convention, <laughs> but other than that, it's great. So do not. <laughs> um, what Ray, what do you think would be a, uh, a big change that you think maybe should be made or be considered in competition barbecue? Uh, if any. So I'll, I'll speak specifically to KCBS um, decimal points. The, this is, uh, you know, we, the, we have a nine point system. We use three uh, and really we don't use that seven very often. Uh, you, if you, as a judge, if you're not given eights and nines all the time, well, that's kind of from a, from a, anyone that understands numbers, that's ridiculous. It makes no sense. Uh, but however, the cooks and the judges don't want to give a, a six as an insult. A five would be atrocious. You couldn't possibly give a five. Well, if we added two decimal points, so I could give you then even just one, um, I could give you an 8.7. And you wouldn't be that mad at me, but it'd be like giving you a, a seven, <laughs> but, yeah. but it would still be uh -huh. an 8.7. And at the end of the day, the scores would all be really high. What it would do. And even if we added a third decimal point, why not? Let me give you a, a, instead of, I can't give you a nine on this one, but I'm going to give you an eight, nine, nine. What it's going to do is break the ties and break it all up. The scores will look high, falsely look really high, but it'll create this untied situation. And I, you know, I could give someone an 8.75 and, and they would, it would still feel pretty good about themselves, but it, it would be way below a nine. And, yeah. and I just think, I think uh -huh. that's an easy solution. And I'll tell you that, you know, all my stories go along with an old story from when I, when I was an old guy, I was on the board at KCBS a million years ago. And I said, what if we, we had the same problem, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And I said, with all the ties and everybody's getting perfect scores. And I said, what if we added a point, a decimal point? And the answer was, so at the time we had a guy, I won't name him, but we, everybody had a computer guy because we, none of us knew anything about computers except yeah. that one guy. So we just assumed he knew everything and he didn't, <laughs> but he was the computer guy. Anyway, he says to me, well, we can't do that because. We're still using DOS, which, oh you know, <laughs> I knew DOS. Well, now DOS wasn't that far gone, right. but it was pretty far gone. You know, we were we were definitely in the minority still using DOS. We were using DOS and there was not enough room on the page to add all these decimal points. And everybody else in the board meeting, I was like, well, then let's upgrade the software. And everybody's like, well, you know, John's the computer I said his name. But the computer he's the computer guy. guy oh, God. And he knows. So that was it. That was the end of the conversation. And we never wow. got changed. And that might have changed a lot of things along the way if we if uh, we wouldn't have had the computer guy that couldn't get us out of DOS. 
you know, uh-huh. we we did that in the in the horse business. Uh, when I was a kid growing up and learning all this stuff, we this is just one example. I'll make it really quick. We called them stock horses, and they were horses that went in and did patterns. They would, you know, do figure eights and runs and slides and this. And as a judge, you just said, well, that's a 69, 70 being average, okay? Because 70 has always been average. Well, then we got into a scoring system that took a number of years to develop it. And we have the, we have two scores. We have a maneuver score. uh, uh, And then we've got another score that is kind of a plus or minus. If it was really good, you could plus them a point to uh, a half a point to a point. If it was bad, you can dock them a half a point to a point. And same thing that broke 99% of the ties uh, once in a while, you would still have to do it uh, in a huge show. You would get a tie at a really high end class and you didn't mind going in and either doing a, a runoff or they'd flip a coin. But my point is, I think that's a brilliant idea uh, still to this day to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but how well received is, well, I'm going to knock a point off of that guy. I'm pretty sure nobody wants right. to think that they deserve that. And that's how it is with the competition barbecue guys. Yeah. Nobody thinks they deserve a seven or, you know, which I'm I'm not saying they do, but somehow it's as a competition. We need to sort it out. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know, that's a good point you bring up because at first they would say, Tracy, why did you dock me a half a point? at that and and it's totally different i get this but i'd say well your horse fell out of form for 10 strides it just you know that's a nice way of saying you look like crap but the point <laughs> the point is is maybe it's on the presentation in barbecue you know what i mean maybe maybe your bark on your brisket was better than bob's over here and you well it, bump it runs deeper that you know we Byron Chisholm wrote a thing about this years ago, Byron from bad Byron's butt rub, speaking of good rubs and and, uh, accomplished uh, businesses. And Byron said, you know, every like beer judging. Well, if you're going to make a lager, there's an exact description of what a lager is. Now, your beer might be really good. But if it's got a little lemon in it, lager doesn't have lemon in it. It's not going to score well because Mm -hmm. there is a benchmark period. That's it. You Uh need to match it. And uh, we've never been able, KCBS has never been willing to create the perfect rib description uh, and exactly what that should be. And, 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 you know, they kind of him and haw about it, but to me, you take, you know, you take a dozen barbecue experts from around the country lock them in a room for the weekend and they got to, they got to hash it out. Now we'd never agree on who those 12 should be. And it'll just (laughs) never, never happen. Uh, It should, it needed to be done a long time ago. Uh, Now we're just so far out of the bag that it's just not going to happen. So, you know, now we, we, it it evolves with the judges. I was there when uh, jumping Jim decided to give out his chicken thigh recipe and uh, then it became thighs. Everyone cooked thighs 100 percent of the time. We used to cook whole chickens, uh, uh-huh. but now we realize that a thigh was really good eating, an easy thing to judge. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't didn't have to be. Uh, they could have KCBS. I always cite NASCAR. NASCAR is owned by one family, and if they had a situation like that, 
they would just change the rule one day and say, no, you can't just turn in thighs from here on out. you got to represent all eight parts of the chicken in your box or something, mm-hmm. you know, whatever yeah. it may be. And, and we've kind of let this all slide and, and it's hurt. And, and I, it's just the, the creativity, you know, like Leanne, would you agree with me when you eat judge at the Jack? Absolutely. I mean, what I like about the Jack is that they make you cook light and dark meat. And that's been my thing, you know, with KCBS, I think it, it, it tests the cooker's ability to be able to cook light meat, which is not as forgiving as dark meat. And it's, it's a challenge and it, it might help with scoring of chicken. Who knows? Yeah. But did you get any boxes that had six chicken thighs and one wing flapper in there? I I got some very odd things. Surprisingly enough, you would think they'd put six flappers in there. But yes, I got some that would have like four thighs and two drummies and two flappers. And I I just don't understand it unless they ran into a really bad cook and they just put everything that they thought was the best in the box. I think they were just basically acknowledging the rule. Uh, mm. In the case of six thighs and one, just flapper. to get the light meat in there. Yep, yeah. <laughs> right. I yeah, mean, yeah. exactly. And, and You're not right. even every judge could take one. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. It was just it, it made one hundred percent right. I, I it was would, kind of thumbing your nose at the actual rule. Uh-huh. Yep. I would submit this to you that if they ever want truly million dollar barbecue competitions, they would have to have, like you are saying, a more stringent um, math on their judging because um, that's kind of a world I came out of. And I know that once we really got up to big time prize money, the people, the sponsors and stuff, I mean, they love the events, the pretty horses, the pretty girls and all this, but they also wanted to know, can one judge come in and sway all the votes? You know what I mean? Like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I would just kind of throw that out there and maybe I'm all wet on that. But I think if you're really going to get to million dollar comps and have a half a dozen of those a year around the country with a lot of media and stuff, I think they would probably have to shore up that judging system a little bit. Oh, totally. The now the judging. So the certified judging program for KCBS and K, I refer to KCBS because it's by far the dominant group. Sure. Uh, it's been highly successful as a marketing tool, as a money-making mm-hmm. tool. Everybody that goes and takes that class goes and three hours later gets a certificate. They're a certified barbecue judge. Every one of them goes home and brags to everybody at work and all their friends. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I how many times has someone told you, oh, yeah, my friend, he's a certified barbecue judge. Like, to me, they're saying that, like, I'm going to be impressed. So you the KCBS judging, my my judging number is 738. Uh, they're well into six figures now. And you know how many people have failed that course? None. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this is these are not qualified judges. I'm sorry. It's yeah. been a successful program, like I said, in many ways, uh, not in quality judging. I sure. it's just sure there is no regulation. Nobody gets kicked out for being a shitty and judge. Gets, yep. And nobody gets a test. <laughs> right. Well, they yeah. actually do now. They have a test. You got to go back in and take the test, but it's, it's not it like a failure. Yeah, it's yeah. not. Like, yeah. I'm assuming. I'm assuming horse show judging is really strict. Oh yeah, we had to go to. That, we had to go to school. 
um, I had seven different licenses. And so they were always on a rotation, but you always went every two years. You got a home test every year and they, they made it open book because they wanted you to know it versus trying to guess at it. But when you went to the actual schools, those were very difficult. Yeah. And, and if you were a bad judge, I'm assuming they, they, oh, they pull your card. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's never happened in KCBS that I'm aware of. Um, so yeah, yeah they'd pull I, your card or they'd send so, you back to the minor leagues. And so I completely agree with you that has kept us from it really growing to the next level. Um, and the other, I mean, the other things that they've done, I don't mean to be beating up on them tonight, but no, I no. always, but I will, um, <laughs> you go to a barbecue cook-off and everybody's in their RV. I mean, that's where the food is. There's yep. nobody actually cooking anything in front of you. Um, mm -hmm. how does that sell it to anybody? And yeah. I mean, it's rampant for cheating is, and I, you know, I don't care. I know we all think nobody's cheating. It's a barbecue cook-off. Well, you put a hundred people in a room. I don't care how much they love barbecue. There's some cheating mofos out of that hundred and I guarantee they're doing it every day. Yep. Yep. That's, that's, I, I, I don't know what to say about that. Cause I agree with you, you know, you need to enforce it. it. And the way it is now, there's no even real attempt to enforce it. No, you, I would love to see it where you had million dollar cook-offs and that could be televised and the finals be live TV and, and all that, but they're a long ways from that. Yeah, yeah. At, at this point. Okay, let's move on to something fun here. Um, What do you think is the, besides your own, because I know you've written a ton of them, which is, do you think is the best barbecue book you ever read? Oh, gosh. I I, I think I own just about everyone that's been written. <laughs> Lately, there's just too many. I can't keep up, but I own them all. Uh, the one that probably had, there were two that had the biggest influence on me, and it's unlikely you've ever heard of any, either one of them. Uh, the first book I ever got was, what the heck was it even called? It was a guy named Charlie Note, K-N-O-T-E. He was a food scientist from down around St. Louis somewhere. And I forget the name of the book. It was a really odd book that we had written it. It was homebound. It was, you know, home, not home done, but but really not very high high quality. And it's, it was still available not that long ago. Uh, Charlie was the food scientist. though. when we were all, we were hungry back then to learn more about this. Why did a brisket break down? How did it work that way? What was the deal? What, you know, instead of the actual science of it, and obviously that has gone nuts, the actual science of a meatheads made a career out of it. Oh and yeah. Done a great job of it. Um, anyway, I learned that day that from that book that, um, meat so let's talk about a brisket at around I, the numbers are are not exact but in the 160 range meat begins to aggressively drip loss as it gets up to 185 i think it was it's really aggressive and your meat's getting dry when you're cooking and your meat has reached 185 however if you meet if you could hold that meat at 175 or in that zone it wouldn't drip loss very as much as it could have and it would eventually get tender and which is sounds like sous vide uh it could hold it at a low temp for a long time and it'll eventually get tender and it won't get dry and mm -hmm. and i learned that from that book now you also learned about the smoke uh the the fact that uh smoke penetration blah 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 ceases at 140 or whatever it is well that's not true that this the answer is smoke ring 
ceases at that temperature. So I used to start my meat cold on purpose so that I would get a bigger smoke ring. Uh, but the the fantasy that, that meat won't accept smoke after a certain temperature, that's ridiculous. It's just not in fact, uh, but it runs wild. So anyway, this was a real good meat science book. It was a weirdly written book. And the second one was John Willingham's book, because uh, I was, you know, I've been pretty accomplished at this for a long, long time. So the books that are being written now, now that, that I don't enjoy them, but John Willingham's book was really influential to me. Uh, John was John sort of gave you that like your your high school football coach rah rah talk about you know if you're going to enter a contest you should come there to kick ass and win right and uh so I, I, and john was my friend and i really enjoyed that book so mm-hmm. uh, you know there's plenty of other ones too but i just can't keep up with reading them all anymore um uh, oh, there's and smoke smoke and fire was always interesting the jamesons and god bless them they're nice people but that book was just wrong. All the numbers in it, the original book, they later changed it to get some of the, the doneness numbers and stuff right. And everybody worshipped that book. I was, and I never understood that one. But it was one of you gotta remember back then there just wasn't a lot of books. Yeah. Well, I seem to get about one or two a month from publishers now. And we obviously aren't gonna interview all of them. A lot of them look very nice, shiny, you know, three color all that stuff. But um, I kind of look at who wrote it. I flip through them. If something catches my eye, I start to read it. And then I kind of make the decision if we're going to have them on the show or not. So, but I've got a box of them that if anybody wants them, just let me know. Uh, (laughs) I did that. I took a box of them to the restaurant for all the guys. I was like, here, take what you want. There you go. Um, Okay, here's some fun stuff. Have you ever cooked in a thunder or snowstorm in your underwear, Ray? I'm sure I have. I don't. I don't remember specifically, but <laughs> I regularly cook in my underwear, <laughs> and I guarantee I've cooked. I've cooked in snowstorms for sure, uh, and plenty of thunderstorms. So yeah, I'd say that's got to be a yes. Okay, the follow up on that is boxers or briefs. Uh, I've switched over the years. I used to be a briefs guy, but I'm a it was a, a boxer briefs, they call them. So it's yeah. a little bit shorter boxer. Yeah. Yeah. Leanne yeah. well, never has told us what she wears, but I, I, you know. I like the new boxer brief as well. Do you? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't? I will tell you a story. A couple of weeks ago, my wife comes walking out. Uh, those are my boxers. And she's wearing my boxers. And I and I didn't care, but I just like she goes, I can wear shorts. Well, yeah. And she said, I can see why you like these. They're very comfortable. Mm -hmm. I go, okay, there you go. That's why you can go outside and cook in your underwear. That's why you go outside cook in your underwear. That's Uh, all right. I I guarantee I did that the other day. I I do I I don't know, my poor neighbors. I mean, I I just don't really care. I get it. I get it. Well, you're in Florida too. I mean, we can't really do that up here a whole lot, but in Florida, I would say you're probably above that uh shivering temperature so that you could go do that. Most of the time. Uh, Most of the time. Okay. Would you uh would you describe yourself as corn fed or grass fed? You see Leanne yawning. I, you know, I it's saw that. my bedtime. I'm sorry. No, I was up early, early. Uh, uh, early. Yeah, it's my bedtime. Too. I'm totally corn fed. There's no question about there that. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Um, this is one of my favorites, Ray. If you were on death row, what would your last meal be? 
braised lamb shanks. I've thought about this many times in my life. Really? My grandma used to, well, she would do them differently. She would sort of roast them and then sort of braise them. But uh, I, I've sort of converted her recipe. And she would put uh, a lot of onion, a lot of garlic. And my grandma would use to, a little can of tomato sauce often. If she wanted to, like, fortify a sauce and just she made a sauce out of everything she was french and and Mm -hmm. she would and she would use a little can of tomato sauce pretty much all the time if something needed a little something that's what she would use and uh and i still cook like that often but so her lamb shanks evolved into this braised uh with a little bit of tomato in there and lots of onion and garlic and uh, there's nothing i like better god it sounds delightful Mm -hmm. It, it really does sound delightful um I think we may have asked you this before, but if we put your skills to music, what would the music be? It would be Jethro Tull. I'm sure I said Jethro Tull. (laughs) (laughs) So is that uh, Aqualong, Locomotive Breath, or which one? I would say Locomotive Breath. That was sort of our 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 young stoner anthem was Locomotive Breath. So I probably saw them guys like 20 times over the years. (laughs) And then if you ever saw a friend of mine in England lives in a little village and his Ian Anderson's son is his neighbor oh. and he, and he hangs out with him. So uh, I, they got me a signed CD from Ian like a few years ago. It was really cool. And, uh, and it said to Dr. Barbecue. And then these guys, I was going over there for, for grill stock, the festival, and they made these tattoos of me in my flame collar shirt, just standing like this. It was like, <laughs> it was like from here up, just like a, a bust of me. And it was the fake tattoos. So everybody was putting them on at grill stock. And it was just a fun thing. Oh, there well, you go. Here we go. Well, wait, we go fast forward a couple of weeks and he sends me a video. So they get one of these to Ian Anderson and he's got it. So you, here's the video. I'll, I'll show you the video one of these days. He's, he, he, they come to him and he goes, hello, Dr. Barbecue. This is Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull. It's my 70th birthday. And in honor of my 70th birthday, I'm celebrating by getting a tattoo of Dr. Barbecue. <laughs> and he's got the, to the tattoo on his leg and he shows it. And he, this is, I actually have this video. I mean, I have, and That's if I ever awesome. get over there, oh, yeah. it's the coolest thing. I'll oh, try to wow. post it if anybody. Uh, oh, yeah. Post it. Post yeah, post yeah. It. Awesome. I've posted it many times, but it, it it's always worth a repeat. Um, and I'm so if I ever get over there again and get to hang out with these guys and we get near wherever Ian lives, I'm sure uh-huh. I could get to meet him in person. But oh, that'd uh, be yeah, a, that'd be that's a awesome. My that sister would... has a Jethro Tull tattoo. Actually, that was part of the wow. joke of it too, right? She had a Jethro Tull tattoo and he had a Dr. Barbecue tattoo. Oh my goodness. That's awesome. there you go. Okay, a couple more here and then we'll wrap this. Um, what's your favorite movie? Um, I'm not much of a movie buff. I got to be honest. I, I really liked, um, 48 hours yep. and I liked, uh, one flew over to cuckoo's nest. I mean, I, I don't, I'm just not much of a movie guy. So like new movies, I'll go here and there, but there's nothing that really excites me. Like, like those other ones. Okay. And bet, and, uh, um, uh, Jethro Tull. Uh, put that aside. We already know about that. But what is the best and or the worst concert you ever went to? Well, I'm also a big John Prine fan. I don't know if you know who yeah, John yeah. Prine even oh, yeah. is. I've always been a big John Prine fan. And we once went to uh, right outside of Chicago. It was John Prine and Waylon Jennings. And uh, hmm. 
and just they didn't play together. But John Prine came and played for a while, and then Waylon came out. Really, with a small band and a small venue, it was pretty cool. And Waylon was in pretty good shape back then. Although I was pretty sure he looked like he was wearing a diaper under his jeans. <laughs> but he had, he had a hard life, man. I could have yeah, yeah. felt for him. Wow. But well, it was hell, pretty you, small, intimate, pretty cool. You hang out with Willie long enough, you'll probably end up wearing a diaper. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm probably not that far away myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, you want to add anything to that, Leanne? I uh, know. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Y'all good there? All right. I'm good. Uh, Ray Lampy, Dr. Barbecue. Thanks, buddy, for spending the time yes, with us thank today. Thank you so much. It's- oh, always a pleasure, guys. It's fun. I, you know, it, it, it's fun to be able to kind of share those stories. And a lot of times I forget about them until somebody asks something triggers it and get to tell one of them old stories. And I appreciate the opportunity to do it. No problem. Yeah. You're welcome on this show anytime. And, when we'll I got my new rubs con- and we'll see you at the convention. I'll yeah. be there. You'll see yeah, some pictures you, of me and Leanne there. Uh, yeah. And when you get your new rubs out, let us know. And we'll you can come back and we'll talk about those again. You know what? I remember when he came out with it. And I remember him warning it was hot. And I remember, I think I tried it. And I really liked it. And I was like, hmm. I was surprised that you didn't. I knew you were busy with other things. That always happens. But I'm excited that you're coming out with that. And I, I think it'll do very well. Well, I actually, I actually, at the time, uh, the true story, I was working for Big Green Egg and, and they had come out with all them spices and, and they paid me well. And I sent mm-hmm. it to them and I said, do you mind if I do this? And they said, eh, we kind of do. Yeah. And I said, okay, fine. That's what put it on the shelf. I see. Uh, we used I it like- in the restaurant on a couple of different things all the time, though. Mm-hmm. We just, and we, we had it bottled up a little bit, but it wasn't, uh, we just didn't do a good job yeah. of marketing, but it's, yeah. but it, it's not, it's unchanged and it's coming and it is hot. So okay. where do you order it? Is it like, how do you get it? Um, I don't know yet. You can't yet. Okay. It's but coming. when it comes I, out, you don't yeah. know yet? No, it coming. Uh, I got to go to the Fiery Food Show uh, first okay. of March. So I'm kind of shooting for having it ready by then. Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. Well, we look forward to that, Ray, when you're ready there. Uh, yeah. I appreciate it. No problem. Okay. We'll be back next week. Miss Leanne and I will be with yep. another edition of After Hours. Until then, again, remember our motto, turn it, don't burn it. Mm -hmm. And we hope you all have a great week and take care.